Sundays at 1500 and 2200 UTC. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Happy New Year, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 2nd edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. We're now 11 days away from the kickoff of the Africa Cup of Nations football tournament in Ivory Coast. Coming up on Tuesday's show, the former goalkeeper for Nigeria, Peter Rufai, has some Nations Cup insights for us. I'll chat with Ivory Coast-bound Muckbill Yabaro about the Nations Cup and Egyptian star Mohamed Salah. Salah is going to Ivory Coast on the back of a starring role for host Liverpool Monday in the English Premier League. But first, 2023 will go down as a historic year for South African sports. There was international success for teams representing the most popular sports in the country, football, rugby, and cricket. The national men's rugby team, the Springboks, headlined the country's year in sports by winning its record fourth world title. And South Africa also once again displayed its ability to host major world sporting events. Myra Nyka reports from Durban. The year got off to an exciting start for South African sports fans as the country hosted the International Cricket Council's Women's T20 World Cup in February. The South African team would capitalize on the home ground advantage, advancing to the final of the competition for the first time in their history. They were undone by Australia in an exciting final in Cape Town. Coach Hilton Morieng described their runners-up finish in the tournament as a watershed moment for the team. Mindset has changed. The players realize now that what they can achieve. I think having taste of, of being in a the final, they feel that uh, some of the seniors at the senior team that they really have an opportunity to push for one more and, and see what happens to get ourselves in another final, you never know. Inspired by their compatriots, South Africa's men's cricket team ventured into the one-day International World Cup in India with high hopes. They put together some electric performances through the tournament in October and November, securing a semi-final spot against Australia. Despite a valiant effort, they lost to the Aussies, who went on to beat India in the final. Their coach, Rob Walter, says they've set themselves up well as they prepare for the T20 World Cup to be staged in the USA and the Caribbean next July. Performances that the team delivered uh, and individuals delivered you know, was really outstanding. Um, and then dotted along the year uh, in the lead up to the World Cup it was self, the self same type of things you know they've come back against Australia and the games against the the, the English side that were you know, the reigning world champions at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean great performance related uh, moments and then also little moments along the way. Among the major events held in the country was the Table Tennis World Championships, the first time the event has been staged on the continent since 1939. The Netball World Cup also took place in South Africa in picturesque Cape Town. Team South Africa finished in sixth place. Team captain Bongim Somi says their progress through the tournament was a collective effort. 
for us, uh, you know, going into words, we really wanted to play really good netball. And I have to say I'm proud of the girls with how we pulled out, especially, you know, how we moved as a group from day one until the end. I think it was just a, a fantastic team effort or collective effort in, in every time we stepped on court. And on and off the court, we were really just, you know, a unit. And that's what we, you want as a group um, going into such a, a big tournament, especially representing your country as well. Watching their heroes live was inspiring for many of the youngsters who turned out to watch the action. Msomi, who has since retired, applauded South Africans for coming out to support the team and the tournament in droves. We saw a lot of young kids out there, the faces every time we finished playing. Geez, it was, you know, there was so um, some honest tears as well, uh, just the excitement uh, from their side. Some of them wanted autographs a few times. We couldn't even get to see all of them, which was quite sad. But really, we tried our best to make sure that we give them their time, you know, the time they deserve. But a lot of people came out in numbers, I have to say. South Africans were fantastic in supporting us all the way. Let's now delve into the country's most popular sport, football. The national men's team, Bafana Bafana, qualified for Africa Cup of Nations. The women's team, meanwhile, made history by progressing from their group for the first time at the FIFA World Cup in New Zealand and Australia. Coach Desiree Ellis's hard work won her the CAF Women's Coach of the Year award for a fourth time in a row. Ellis thanked everyone involved in women's football for her accolade. This is for all of you, for all the administrators that work in women's football, but most importantly for the Banyana players, because they make us look good, like Coach Tina says, to all the staff of Banyana who've worked tirelessly, and to all the teams that did so well at the World Cup. Women's football on the continent is rising. On the club football front, Mamalodi Sundowns ladies were crowned CAF Champions League winners, beating SC Casablanca in the final in the Ivory Coast. Sundowns also won the CAF Club of the Year award, while three of their players featured in the Women's Africa Team of the Year. Here's defender Lebohang Ramalepe. It's a great honor to be amongst the best 11 in Africa. Uh, all I can say is I'm grateful for what coach have done with me throughout the year. My teammates and everyone who, have, uh, who I have worked with before, I'm truly thankful and I'm proud of my team, Mamelodi Sundowns. The crowning moment for South African sport in 2023 was no doubt the national rugby team holding on to their world title. The Springboks defeated arch-rivals New Zealand in Paris to go where no team had gone before. With a record four titles, South Africa is the most successful rugby nation in the history of the sport. Bok captain Sia Kulisi highlighted the hardships of the team after lifting the trophy alongside state president Cyril Ramaphosa. There is no way we all come from, I could have dreamt of being here today, you know, and kids that come from um, farming areas never could think that they would be uh, here today. Chairs then who come from the, you know, who, who come from, we come from, you know, and people from the Cape Flat, we come from different walks of life, but, and I have my own reasons to play rugby. I have my own goals and ambitions. I want to look after my family. I want to make sure I give back to my community because without them, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Some are are playing for the parents who are not here with us anymore, you know, but what brings us together is our country. What brings us together to play for is, is the Springbok and then South Africa. South Africans can reflect on an iconic year for sport but will no doubt already be looking ahead as major events like AFCON and the 2024 Summer Olympics beckons in the new year. For the sunny side of sports, this is Myron Nyker in Durban, South Africa.
Thirty years ago, goalkeeper Peter Rufai was in front of the net for Nigeria. When the Super Eagles won their second Nations Cup trophy, Nigeria beat Zambia 2-1 in the 1994 Nations Cup final in Tunisia. Peter is one of many African football fans looking forward to this year's Africa Cup of Nations tournament, which kicks off January 13th in the Ivorian commercial capital of Abidjan. In an interview with Iron Mike Mbonye, Peter Rufai said he thinks there will be a few upsets at this year's Nations Cup. There is no doubt about the, the minus, or as one may look at it, lowly rated teams, you know, causing upset in the tournament is likely to happen again. It happens in, in competitions, in, in big tournaments. So um, it's something to be expected and sometimes it makes the tournament more interesting. In your playing days, especially with the Nigerian national men's football team, also known as the Super Eagles, did you encounter such lowly rated teams? And what was the experience like? During my playing days, yes, indeed, as playing with the Nigerian national team, uh, I, we encountered uh, playing with uh, minus or lowly rated teams, like you may call it. And that was uh, playing, then Nigeria, we played against countries like uh, Kenya, we played with uh, Guinea, 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 Guinea Bissau, you know. Then we played with, uh, I remember playing with um, a country, uh, one of these countries, we trashed them 6 uh, 0. Uh, yeah, uh, the experience is interesting because during my time, we don't take nonsense. We don't take nonsense. Everybody is ensuring that he is giving his maximum, and the cooperation was there, the teamwork was there, and we, we take it, we take the bull by the horn. That's uh, during my time. I can give some experience, uh, testify about those performances then. What would be your advice to big teams who will likely encounter the minnows or lowly rated teams during the AFCON tournament in Côte d'Ivoire? Recall that in the last AFCON tournament held in Cameroon, some lowly rated teams caused so much upsets that make some big names not to qualify from their groups. The upcoming AFCON, yes indeed, there is uh, going to be a possibility of, uh, of challenges where big teams are, are likely to face the minors or, or the lowly rated teams and the best bet for them or what they should do will lie on the technical uh, advisor of each team or the coaches of uh, each team. So it is the coaches of the, each team that will now dictate the strategy in which they will approach every match. And if that match happens to be a minor or a lowly rated team, well, the coach has the assignment to design the play or design the characteristics of approach to such match. That's Peter Rufai, the former goalkeeper of Nigeria's national men's football team, and he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. I'm Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports 
on the voice of America. Senegal's captain, Sadi Omane, says the upcoming Nations Cup will be one of the toughest compared to previous editions. Mane spoke with the Confederation of African Football's website, CAFonline.com, about Senegal's chances of successfully defending its Nations Cup title. Mane said, and I quote, We know it won't be easy, but we will be there to do our best and try to go through every round. We are expecting a tough competition. Mane continues, This competition will be one of the strongest since I started playing in it because all the big countries are here and they all have their targets, but we will see what will happen. Sadio Mane and Senegal will kick off their Nations Cup campaign on January 15th against Gambia. Then Senegal will play Cameroon on January 19th and wrap up group play against Guinea on January 23rd. Reflecting on winning his first Nations Cup trophy in 2022 in Cameroon, Sadio Mane says, and I quote, Winning the AFCON was the best trophy I have ever won in my life, and coming to do it again will be special and a big achievement. It's been a dream to play in this competition since I was a kid, and we will do our best. And Mane ends by saying, Winning the AFCON for a second time will be a big impact for our football because we have won all the other categories which is great for the country. Egyptian star Mohamed Salah is going to the AFCON after a star-studded performance for Liverpool Monday. He scored Liverpool's first and last goals and also had a role in the team's other two as Liverpool defeated visiting Newcastle 4-2. For reaction, I'm joined here in Studio 22 by my VOA colleague, Muck Bill Yabaro. Happy New Year, Muck Bill. Happy New Year, Sonny. And Muck Bill, let me say thank you for hosting the show the last two weeks of 2023. Absolutely. It was great, man. I, I had a great time. Uh, glad to see you back. Gra- uh, glad to have you back here in the studio, Muck Bill. What did you think of Mo Salah's performance on Monday? Unbelievable. The only thing that I can think of is that Liverpool is in for it when he goes to play for Egypt in mm. AFCON. Mm. Um, if we're just looking statistically, and, and he does so much more than just stats, but statistically he's leading goal scorer of the EPL and leading assist man. He is tied with Erling Haaland for 14 goals in the EPL as well as being tied with Ollie Watkins of Aston Villa for eight assists. Wow. So What a year. Unbelievable. Uh, he's always, in the last, I'd say, three, four years, has been easily one of the premier players of the EPL. But sometimes he really doesn't get the shine that he deserves. Now, my understanding, Muckbill, is if Egypt advances to the semifinals in Ivory Coast, uh, he will have missed... Eight matches for Liverpool. That's a pretty big dent. Yeah, I think minimum, I think that that Liverpool will miss him for about four to five if they have an early exit. But I'm not expecting Egypt to have that early of an exit. And, And we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get into that AFCON chat. Well, let's take a look at the tables now in the EPL, Muckbill. Uh, Liverpool at the top. What does the rest of the table look like? Liverpool is at the top with 45 points. Uh, In second place is Aston Villa with 42. Man City has 40. 
but they have a game in hand, so they've only played 19 games. They can have a potential of 43 points at the moment, which would put them two points behind Liverpool. Uh, Arsenal has 40 points um, tied with Man City, but Man City's goal differential is better, uh, 24 to 17. And Tottenham has 39 points a point behind Arsenal. Interestingly enough, Arsenal is the only team of the last of the top five to have lost their last match. Um, Arsenal have lost their last two matches, which is um, really surprising. And they've lost four in the season, meaning that they'd only lost two games up until that very point. And dropping two two games in a row like that uh, really puts their um, championship contention in in jeopardy. Getting back to uh, Mo Salah, McBill, uh, would you describe this as his best ever season for Liverpool? At the moment, uh, one could argue that he is having uh, one of the greatest seasons, uh, maybe not necessarily only from the perspective of uh, goal scoring, but because of the fact that his assist tally are so high this early in the season as well, he's shown to be a very uh, unique winger in that a lot of the, the top teams in the league nowadays outside of Liverpool, and, and we I've spoken to some of our colleagues that are Liverpool fans, and I applaud them all the time in that Liverpool and Klopp's style is very unique in that it's very old-school football, right, which is just a creative flow of allowing your wingers to create for you, whereas the new system is the Pep Guardiola, Arteta, Tiki Taka, very Barcelona style, right, where right. it's... it's kind of takes away from the fun of the game. And if a player is shown to not necessarily play within that system, they soon find themselves outside of the starting lineup, you know? So you kind of have to play within the mold of what the manager wants. But what that does in turn is it stops creative players like, let's say, on Arsenal, a Saka or a Martinelli that are relatively more creative uh, players on the wing. They start relying so much on that pass for pass and it really takes away from their one-on-one opportunities. If you watch that Liverpool game, you'll see that Mohamed Salah took the uh, the defensive left back one-on-one almost every opportunity he had. Mm. He's a very intense player, and with that intensity, it allowed them to really kind of beat up Newcastle's back line. Uh, Newcastle scored a lot of goals in this game, you know, two goals. So it was one, 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 two, one. It was the game was it was never really out of reach up until the fourth goal was scored. So it, it just shows you that the more opportunities that your wingers allow, like Liverpool had like five or six easy misses. So they weren't even being efficient. They scored four goals and they weren't even that efficient. So that means that there's just, they're just creating so much chaos with their wingers. Bill, let's look back to uh, the weekend matches in the EPL. Your beloved gunners of Arsenal go down to Fulham 2-1. I'm checking uh, the score sheet. Bukayo Saka got the Gunners off to an early uh, 1-0 lead with a fifth uh, minute, uh, excuse me, goal in the fifth minute. And then Fulham scored on goals by Raul uh, Jimenez and Bobby de Cordova-Reed. Your thoughts on that match? Yeah, um, Fulham really uh, came out with a different level of intensity. I I feel like a lot of times when you have these mid-table teams, right, Fulham, if we look at them, they're 13th place at the moment. With 24 points, 
If they win their next game there at 27, it bounces them up to the 12th seed. Uh, so they're right in that middle of the pack. The problem with middle of the pack teams is a lot of times they understand that they're not in that contention for Champs League or Europa. So anytime they play these bigger teams, we've seen Fulham has been problematic for a lot of the big teams. Burnmouth has done the same thing. Nottingham Forest is on a roll lately. So the EPL is just showing you that regardless of who you're playing, there's quality across the board, including on the teams on the bottom. Burnley, Sheffield United, Loontown have all had some big wins against some big uh, teams. Fulham just really wanted it more. For Arsenal to go up 1-0 in the fifth minute, it's inexcusable for you to then lose to a middle-of-the-table team. Mm. Um, but it, But... In the last two games, Arsenal has had 81 shots and have only converted three. Wow. So that number shows you that there is a huge discrepancy in efficiency at the front for Arsenal. It's been one of their biggest problems. Uh, Transfer market um, manager Arteta uh, is looking to finally get a center forward to potentially be able to get Arsenal over that hump. They have a lot of quality players up front, but they're really not in that role. If you had a guy like uh, Erlen Holland, who literally just does that, this Arsenal team would be a lot different. Defending champion Man City, uh, they are five points behind Liverpool. Uh, they defeated Sheffield United over the weekend, 2-0. Uh, your thoughts on that match, Muckbill? Man City, um, exactly what I was saying earlier about that tiki-taka style football that they play. Uh, the difference is, I think, that Pep is... Pep has guys on the wing that he still allows them to play within the system, but gives them creative control. So it's 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 kind of weird when you watch it because you're so used to seeing how they pass in that Barcelona-style uh, play. But then you have this guy, this kid by the name of Doku, who comes in and really just runs on on either wing, similarly to like what Mo Salah is doing. He's very fast, he's very athletic, very strong, and he'll just kind of create the chaos i think the chaos aspect is really what um arsenal's missing at this moment martinelli has kind of been a little down um because teams have realized that he's the only winger who's really taking his team or taking the the team on so they always double him so when you double a player like martinelli as creative as he is there's only so much he can do bukayo saka is on the other side but he has not really been performing well and i think one of the biggest problems for this team right now is that Mikel Arteta has tried to, uh, due to injuries last season, he felt as though he lost out on the on the prem because of the the injuries that he had on his team. Um, but now he's trying too hard to rotate too many different players, and a lot of the players are not getting that level of chemistry and continuity within each other. So when you have a player like Jesus coming in and he's playing center nine one day, he's playing on the wing the next day, and then some days he's playing with Trussard, some days he's playing with Inketia, it, it gets very difficult to. Uh, to, to know and get the feel of who this true starting lineup of this team is. Muckbill, let's pivot to the 34th edition of the Africa Cup of Nations tournament to be uh, held in Ivory Coast. Uh, you'll be traveling there next week. Mo Salah and the Pharaohs of Egypt, winners of a record seven Nations Cup trophies. What is the impact of a performance like Salah had on Monday for the Pharaohs as they go into this tournament. Will, will Salah carry over that performance to Ivory Coast? I, I think he will. 
um, we we all can agree that uh, the EPL is one of the best leagues, uh, club leagues in the world, um, and his team is playing exceptionally well. He's playing exceptionally well for his team, so I don't see how that doesn't translate over to Egypt. Uh, we've seen it, whether it was World Cup qualifiers, um, Egypt has still been firing on all cylinders. They had a game in World Cup qualifiers, they scored six. So, mm. you know, Mohamed Salah is really showing that he is really on form. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed he can stay healthy because the problem with him in his later age now is that, you know, sometimes the older players, when they play so many games, all it takes is for him to, you know, exhaust himself a little bit too much and get some kind of a recurring injury. But as long as he's able to stay uh, healthy, I think he will be a tremendous help for the Egyptian side. If we just look at their group, it's Cape Verde, Egypt, Ghana, Mozambique. I'm pretty sure everyone is expecting and predicting that Egypt and Ghana will be fighting for that top spot. Um, But Cape Verde and Mozambique have a very, very challenging road uh, to make it out of that Group B. I'm already looking at uh, that Egypt-Ghana match on January 18th, Muckbill. I think that will probably decide the group. Uh, I mean, with those two teams, uh, who do you like in that match? I think I still like Egypt, um, but... Ghana has Mohamed Kudus, man, who's also playing phenomenal. He's on form as well. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I just think it's going to be a great game. Um, but I think really the deciding matches might not necessarily be their clashes. It might be one of these two powerhouses kind of underestimates either Cape Verde or Mozambique. And these teams really just want it and are able to either pull off a draw when they should have won or they potentially might lose to one of these teams and put themselves in a, in a compromising uh, situation. I think for for these bigger clubs or these bigger countries, it's important that you don't drop points. Mm. Uh, so I'll be very interested to see, you know, when these smaller teams are able to hold, uh, smaller countries are able to hold uh, these bigger countries to a draw uh, that could really just change the shape of their entire uh, tournament let's turn to group a muck bill we have the host team the elephants of ivory coast they will kick off the nation's cup on january 13th against guinea bissau that match to be played in abidjan and then the following day uh nigeria will play equatorial guinea uh how do you see that group ivory coast and nigeria ivory coast and nigeria i I would expect that i think nigeria um having come off of that the world cup qualifiers that were really really disappointing i think they will have something more to prove in this because they've put themselves in quite a bit of a hole uh for the for the world cup qualifiers already and i think they will want to come out and make a statement and showcase that look we had two bad games uh but that's not who we are we have a lot of quality players and we're really here to win so i'm I'm looking to see nigeria come out of that group top but I would not be shocked if Ivory Coast were able to pull it off either. Um, being the host nations, having a great two World Cup um, qualifier matches where they put up extensive numbers, seven goals, I believe, in one of them, um, with their fan base in Abidjan and across the Ivory Coast, I would expect that their folks are there and they're going to be turning up in numbers for them. So. Yeah, I, that's a great point, Muck Bill, that uh, they'll, they'll have that crowd support. Group C, another very interesting group at this upcoming Nations Cup. We have a pride of Lions uh, right at the top, the Lions of Taranga from Senegal, defending Nations Cup champions, and the indomitable Lions of Cameroon, also in that group, as well as Guinea 
and Gambia. We we heard uh, uh, Sadio Mane tell CAF Online, Muck Bill, that this this is really shaping up as a really competitive, challenging Nations Cup. Absolutely. I think I think nowadays we're starting to see that the game of football on the continent is no longer how it once was, where you would just expect it would be two to three teams that kind of run away with it. That's no longer the case. There's quality players across the continent now, um, and not only in one or two positions. The entire team sometimes, if you look at a team like Morocco, Morocco's entire team has players um, that are playing in high leagues across the world. Um, you know, same thing could be said for Senegal as well, as well as Nigeria. Uh, so Egypt has quality players across the board as well. So I think it's going to be exciting nonetheless. Um, I, I don't know where to go or who to root for, but it's going to be exciting. I, I think uh, from an excitement standpoint, Muckbill, you'll be in you'll be in Abidjan at the start of the Nations Cup. Uh, correct? Oh, absolutely. I will be at the. T- I will be in Abidjan at the top of the tournament. Um, ceremony game uh, will be Saturday. Will be Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast versus Guinea-Bissau, I believe. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yes. And I and I got to go with the elephants in that one. I, I, I'm going to give it to them. I, <laughs> I, I like I like I like their chances with that one. Um, I think usually host nations, you never really want to set them up with. Uh, you know, Nigeria maybe at the top. Maybe let's leave that a little <laughs> a little bit uh, further on. So, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great great tournament. Uh, super excited. Let's not forget about Morocco. Yes. After after what no, they another did, another pride of lions, the Atlas Lions. Seems like it's lions <laughs> across the board, man. Lions <laughs> across the board. But uh, talking Nations Cup with VOA colleague Muckbill Yabaro. Thank you, Muckbill. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up the January 2nd edition of the show. Thanks to producer and sunny side of sports analyst Muckbill Yabaro. Thanks also to engineer Celia Williams. And thank you for tuning in. Wishing you a happy and healthy new year. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.